the book of Romans today. And I'm excited for today because the kids stay with us. On the fourth Sunday of every month, the kids stay in the room with us rather than dismissing them for kids' crew. And I love, I love that time because uh, I get to preach to them and, uh, and, and I just enjoy having them in the room. So I'm excited for us all to dig in and study together this morning in Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verses 3 through 8 together, and that's going to be our, our focus as we keep working our way through the book of Romans. I've told this story before, but I think it fits so well with this particular passage of Scripture that we're going to study today, that when our son Nixon was three years old, he broke his leg. He broke in, on his left leg, he broke both of the bones in the lower part of his leg. And we were seeing an orthopedic doctor, and, and they were walking us through the recovery from the injury. And I'll never forget that the orthopedic doctor told us that we need to, we need to do some scans, we need to do some x-rays, we need to make sure that the bones are lined up properly. Because he said, if we get the bones lined up the way that they should be, as long as everything is aligned properly, he said, you can't stop them from growing back together. The way that God has designed our bodies, the way he's put us together, the way he's made it, especially in, in the younger years like this, for our bodies to work. He says it's, just, it's, it's miraculous almost the, the way that we think of how the body works to heal itself, but that's God's design. And I really appreciated that because, of course, when you've got a three-year-old with a, a compound fracture in his, in his leg, then, I mean, that's a big thing, and, and you want to know that everything's going to be okay. But I especially appreciated the perspective of faith that, that he shared with us and, and talking about this is the way that God has made us. And this morning, the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at references the idea of a body. Romans chapter 12 is one of numerous places in the New Testament that refer to us, the church, Christians, as a body of believers or the body of Christ. And I love that picture, that analogy of the body, because it speaks so clearly to the way that we operate together, you and I, as, as, as believers, as the church, the way that we function together, that we're to function like a body. And you think of how a body has many members and, and much like much like what I'm describing, sometimes there are hurts, sometimes there are pains, there are injuries of sorts that we experience in the body. And yet by God's design, he has the power to bring healing. He has the power to grow us. And if we will just be aligned properly with what he has for us, then everything is going to work the way that God has designed it to work. And so this morning, as we dig into this text and we study Romans 12, 3 through 8, I want you to be thinking particularly about this. Even before we read these verses together, I want you to ask yourself this question. Where do I fit in, in this body, in this picture of a body? Where do I fit? How is this, how is this speaking to me today? Because I, I promise that God has, he has a word for each one of us and whether you are super active in the church and, and you're here every time the doors are open and, and you teach and you serve, or if, if you are really exploring what it means to get connected to this church or you're looking for a place to plug in and, and connect and serve, can I just encourage you today that I think God has a word that he wants to say to you as we, as we dig into what Romans chapter 12 says. So let's read beginning in verse 3. Paul writes, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, 
though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so what Paul is writing here speaks to God's design for the church, that we are a body. And, And just like with our physical bodies, there are different members that have different functions. The point that he's making is that in the body of Christ, that we, each one of us, we have a different role, a different function that we're to play in the body, different ways that we're to be utilized. There are several different metaphors that are used, word pictures really that are used in the New Testament that speak to the relationship of the believers to one another as, as a church. But I think the body is perhaps the, the one that, that I think is, is perhaps the most important in terms of how it relates to us the way that we are to operate on a kind of a, a daily or an ongoing basis in regard to the relationships that we share with each other. Because when we think about the body, we think about this analogy of the picture of a body. We can relate, we understand, right? That uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, using this same, this same word picture of a body. And he writes about how the different parts of the body have different functions. It's not like, it's not like the hand can say to the eye, oh, I, you know, I should do that. The hand can't do what the eye is designed to do. And similarly, the eye won't do what a hand or what the foot was designed to do. Each part of the body needs to be working together. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, he tells the church in Ephesus that when all the parts of the body are working together, that it builds itself up in love. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an important thing too, that as we operate together and each person is, is trying to, to do their part in the body, that we, we operate together, we build each other up, and God accomplishes his purpose in us. When I look at this particular passage this morning, I see three things that are really significant, three things that, that I, I underlined as I was studying and working my way through this text this morning. And really, I've built the sermon and the three points for the sermon off of these three things. The first thing that I see is, is tied to this phrase, think with sober judgment. We'll come back and we'll, we'll dig into each of these in a moment. Think with sober judgment. That has to do with what we believe, right? That's important. The next thing that I saw was the, the phrase, centered around the phrase that we are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so when I, when I read that, I was thinking, I, I thought that, that really has to do with what it means to belong, right? That we're to believe, we're to belong. And then finally, there's the phrase at the, uh, the end of verse six that he says, let us use them. Let us use them, referring to these gifts. And that has to do with the idea of building. So that's what I want us to see this morning, is how we can believe, we can belong, and we can build as parts of this body. So first, I want us to see how we're to believe what is true, believe what is true. In verse three, he says that you're not to think that each one, everyone, is not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And there's a lot to unpack here because this is, this is, really, this is really critical. This is really essential. But when we think about what it means to believe what is true, 
And we need to, we need to ask ourselves the question, well, what is true? What is Paul writing about here? The truth that we're to believe, that we're to think with sober judgment. Think on what? Think about what? We're to think about the gospel and the gospel's impact in our lives. For, for now 11 chapters of the book of Romans, he has outlined in great detail what it means to believe in the gospel and the, and the power of the gospel and the transforming work of the gospel and even the future promise and the hope of what's to come because of our, our faith in the gospel. And now we're transitioning into these remaining chapters. I told you last week as we get into chapter 12 and beyond, really Paul gets rather practical with his, his, his instruction here. And I don't, think it's any, I don't think it's insignificant or any mistake that last week, the first bit of instruction that he gave us in chapter 12 was rooted in worship. Or in other words, as we saw it, putting God first in all things. And then as we put God first in all things, what flows naturally from that is that we would, that we would work together, each one of us individually doing our part, but we would work together as the body of Christ, function together as the body of Christ, the church. As we put God first, then we, we would serve and, and, and be an active part of his church, his body, the body of Christ. And that's exactly the, the, the big picture of, of what's taken place here. We're to believe what is true, believe the gospel, believe in these things so that we might go on, as we've seen even just briefly, to belong and build. So believe what is true. We're to believe what is true. I think it's important that he says that we're to think with sober judgment, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. And then he goes on to say, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, hear me when I say when I think... Sometimes we read this and we think, oh yeah, I shouldn't think more of myself than I should. And you're exactly right, because clearly he says here that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. But I think an important part of what he's saying that we often overlook is we're also not to think less of ourselves than we should as well. Because see, if you are saved by Jesus, and if you have received this measure of faith that God has assigned to you, in other words, that you have trusted in Jesus by faith, then now by God's grace and through the power of his Holy Spirit, you have the power of God alive in you. You have the power of his Holy Spirit alive in you, dwelling in you, working in you. And so, yes, it's important that we not allow pride to cause us to think more of ourselves than we should, that we think with sober judgment. But part of thinking with sober judgment is also not thinking of ourselves less than we should. And what I mean by that is understanding the power of God and what the power of God can do in us. And that's what he's saying. I think there's a, there's a tension, there's a balance that we need to keep here. On the one hand, yes, we don't want to become conceited. We don't want to become arrogant. We don't want to use the operation of our spiritual gifts in a way that we think somehow makes us the center of it all. Because it's not. The purpose of these spiritual gifts is not about us, but it's about Jesus, who's the head of the church. Jesus, who's the head of the body that we're working, that we're, that we're a part of. But we also ought not to think so little of ourselves and our giftedness that we, that we think, well, it's no big deal if I don't show up. It's no big deal if I don't serve. It's no big deal if I'm not active. What am I anyway? What do I really matter? You matter immeasurably in the body of Christ. And in fact, God has gifted you and designed you in such a way that 
Each and every person has something that's unique about you that the body needs. And unless you are plugged in and connected and, and, and active in the body, then the body is missing something that it needs. And even at that, there's this ever-growing, ever-expanding dimension to this body that we should be reaching out and reaching others so that the body continues to, as Ephesians 4.16 says, build itself up when the body is functioning the way that it should. So this sober judgment here, of course, sober judgment, he's, uh, he's, he's not speaking literally about being sober. This isn't, this isn't specifically, or I should say explicitly, a teaching about uh, about drunkenness, although, I mean, I think it points to the fact that we ought to, we ought to operate in such a way that we, we have our faculties about us, we have sober judgment, we, we are in our right mind, yes, but specifically when he refers to thinking with sober judgment, he's talking about seeing things properly, seeing things as they are, seeing or believing what is true, and that is that by God's grace, we have been forgiven and set free from our sin. And now, through faith in Jesus, we are indwelled by his Holy Spirit and empowered to live a godly life. To think with sober judgment means we have humility. It's not about me. It's not about anything that I've done to save myself. It's not about anything that's good or special in me, but it's God in me, the hope of glory, Jesus at work in me. And so, Sober judgment leads us to humility. Humility opens the door for service, and service builds the body. So we're to believe what is true. Secondly, I see in this text that we're to belong, belong where you do. Believe what is true, belong where you do. What I mean by that is, if you are, if you are a believer in Jesus, like it or not, you belong to the body of Christ. Because when God saved you, there, there was a, an incredible, a powerful transformation that took place in your life. The moment that you trusted Jesus by faith, God saved you from, his, from your sin, and he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. But there was, there was another thing that happened in that moment that maybe you, maybe you weren't aware of. That in the same moment that God saved you from your, your sin, he united you to be a part of his body you're now part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Now, we understand that the body of Christ exists kind of in, in, in two dimensions that I, I refer to, I think for the sake of helping us to understand this, I refer to as the capital C church and the lowercase c church. The capital C church, the uppercase letter big C church would be, that's the body of Christ. That's all believers across all ages, across all time. Everyone who's ever trusted in Jesus, that we're a part of his body. We're a part of the, the bride of Christ. The, sometimes we use the word universal church. We have to be a little bit careful because these days that word universal almost takes on a dimension that, that we, we need to be weary of. It doesn't mean that literally just anyone, but it means everyone who's trusted in Jesus by faith. But that capital C church, that big C church, that's everyone, not only living, but, uh, but already who, who are dead in Christ, and even those who have yet to come to faith in Christ, the, all believers across time. But then there's the, the lowercase c church, or the little c church, and that's, what, when I refer to that, what I mean is it's a specific group, a specific set of believers, a specific body of believers. We often refer to it as the local church. 
That's what First Baptist Church is. First Baptist Church is a local church. We are a visible church. That's another word that sometimes gets used, the visible church, the invisible, meaning the big C church, the visible. We're a visible church. We are a, an actual body of local believers who gather together in this place. Now, oftentimes when you think of the church, you think of this building, right? We think, we think of First Baptist Church of Chickasha, we think of this building. Maybe that's even what you picture in your mind is this building. But you understand that this building is not First Baptist Church. This building is the place where First Baptist Church gathers. But inside this building, us, the believers, the people, we are First Baptist Church. And on Sunday morning at roughly 1145, if the preacher is on time and everything's working the way that it should, when we pray and we say amen and we dismiss and you head out those doors, then now First Baptist Church is scattered across our community and our area. We, we are gathered here to praise the Lord together, to encourage one another, to build each other up, but we also gather in order to be scattered. We gather in order to be equipped that we might go out into a world that needs Jesus and we might take the gospel to them. That's what the church does. We are a local body of believers, a specific or a visible body of believers, the local church. And if you have trusted in Christ by faith, then you belong to a local body. You belong to this, what I'm referring to as the, the lowercase c church. Now, you may not actually, let me, let me back up a half step, you may not actually, because there are processes of membership and other things, but what I should say is you are meant to belong to a, a local body, a local, a local congregation, a local gathering of believers. The idea of a Christian, a believer, that doesn't belong to a local congregation is totally foreign to the New Testament. And, and so sometimes people read the New Testament and they say, where, do, where does the New Testament talk about membership specifically? Where, I, don't see, I don't see them talking about, well, in places like Romans chapter 12 is where the New Testament talks about membership because it talks about how we are members of one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 2. Throughout the New Testament, when you see these references to the work of the church, the, the, the idea of a, a Christian who is a who is not a part of a local body is, is like the picture of a, a member of our physical body that's been cut off somehow. Now, that's kind of a, that's kind of a gross, kind of a graphic uh, illustration, but go with me for a second on this. Think about it. Think about, for example, what would happen to your, let's just say your arm for the sake of simplicity. If your arm were dismembered from your body, what would happen to that arm? I, again, I'm not trying to be gross, but eventually, first of all, that arm would suffer it would suffer. That would be a painful thing. That arm would suffer because it wouldn't be attached to its source of, of life and all that it needs. That, that arm eventually would shrivel, and that's kind of gross, and eventually even it would stink. But you know, that's what happens to us as Christians when we get dismembered from the body as well. We suffer, we shrivel, we, we stink. It, the, the idea that somehow you could be a, a healthy follower of Jesus and not belong to a local church is foreign to the New Testament. Now, 
I say that within reason. I understand at times you move to a new place, you move to a new community. Sometimes you don't even move, but you're, you're a part of one church and, and God speaks to you and his Holy Spirit prompts you that maybe he's going to lead you. And so there's, there's a, a process of discovery and a process sometimes of, of, of leaving one church and becoming a part of another. And I get that, okay? That's, this is not meant, but what I mean is the idea that you could go on and on for an extended period of time, for prolonged periods of time, and not be connected to a church and be a Christian just as foreign. It, that doesn't compute with the New Testament's picture of what a believer is. Because if we're a believer in Jesus, we belong to a body. And because we belong to a body, we need to be connected to a body. We need to be connected to a group of believers so that, and here's the other thing, so that we can serve with the gifts that we've been given. So we're to believe what is true, to think of ourselves properly, that we don't think more of ourselves than we should. We also don't think less of ourselves than we should. We're to believe what is true. We're to belong where we do, meaning that we're to belong to a body because if we're saved in Jesus, then we're, then we're a part of his body. So we should belong to a body. And then finally, we're to build something new. Build something new. In verse 6, he says, Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That is so important. Let us use them. We're to build each other up. We're to encourage each other and build something new, build the body into this, this, this image of Christ. We're to build his, his body, advance his kingdom as we work to build the church in Romans chapter 12 specifically, there are seven spiritual gifts that are mentioned here. I see prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. And if you were to study any of the other passages in the New Testament that refer to spiritual gifts, you'll see some combination of gifts, but not always the same. In fact, in the New Testament, there are about 22 different spiritual gifts. Now, there's some debate about is, you know, is that number could be a few less, but I will say at the most, there are about 22 spiritual gifts that the New Testament speaks to. But here's my own belief about spiritual gifts. We like lists, okay? We like lists. We want everything to be broken down into categories, and we want to be able to take a spiritual gifts test, and we want to see a list, and I want to know, do I have these six, and do I not have these, these 12, or, right? I mean, we want to see things broken down in a way that seems to us nice and neat and clean, but the truth of the matter is that I think that there's a lot of gray when it comes to these gifts. Yes, there are specific gifts that have been given, but the reality is that each one of us will have some unique matrix of these gifts that, that is unique to you, that is unlike anyone else. And that is by God's design. And so, yes, I think it's helpful to understand what are spiritual gifts, what does the New Testament describe or list as the spiritual gifts, which of those gifts do I see in my own heart, do I see in my own life and my own gifting. But sometimes, sometimes we lean a little too much on that because we think, okay, well, I have these gifts, so I don't need to worry about the rest. The reality is that God always gives the gifts for a purpose, and that is to build the body up. And sometimes God may be calling you and leaning on you to serve in an area that it, you may feel like is outside of my giftedness. And what I would say is, so what? Do it anyway. If that's what God is calling you to do, if you see a need and you have the opportunity to meet that need, then you, then you ought to step up and meet that need, because that's ultimately what spiritual giftedness is about. It's about following the Holy Spirit's prompting and his leadership that we would serve to build the body. 
understanding that you're a part of a body as a Christian, as a believer, will ought to encourage you to work to build that body, to advance the gospel, to build the kingdom of Christ as we seek to work, to build up his body. And so we should grow in our giftedness. How do you grow in your giftedness? Well, you serve. I've said so many times, and I didn't come up with this. I don't even know who to attribute this to. But along the way, I learned, and, and, I, and I've repeated this innumerable times, that God doesn't just equip the called. Uh, rather, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Meaning that God doesn't just, God doesn't just reach out and, and pluck a few people with a few particular gifts and say, okay, I need you over here. And then he's going to pluck a few others and say, no, God, God will put a burden on you and he will provide opportunity to you. And there will be moments. And, and if we will step up and step into that opportunity, then the spirit will, will give us what we need to serve and do that. For example, for example, uh, you may think to yourself, well, man, I'm not, I'm not good with kids, and, and, and I would never, never want to work with children. And yet, God may have, he may have something for you in working with children that would bless you immeasurably. You may think to yourself, I'm, I am, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. So the idea of being a greeter or welcoming people or reaching out to people, that just intimidates me and frightens me. And yet, think of how God may want to bless you and grow your faith and, and just do incredible things in your heart and your life if you would be available to him to reach out to others and to be used in that way. There's so many ways that we can point to this. In fact, uh, one of my favorite statements is made by a Christian pastor uh, former president of our Southern Baptist Convention, a guy named J.D. Greer, who he says it this way. He says that God steers moving ships. And I love that analogy. I love that analogy that God will steer moving ships. Think about a ship that's in the water and you can turn the rudder all you want. But if the ship is sitting stationary in the water, turning the rudder isn't going to make it go anywhere. But when that ship is moving and you turn the rudder, it will guide and direct that ship where it ought to go. God steers moving ships. You want to be used by God? You want to determine God's purpose, his plan for you? You want to determine even what your giftedness is? Then jump in. Then get plugged in. Get connected. Start serving. Identify needs. See those as opportunities. And do what you can to meet those needs. And I promise along the way, God will speak to you about your giftedness. And he'll show you what your giftedness is. And what's more, he may grow your giftedness in ways beyond what you ever thought that he would. And that's where the real blessing comes. So many people, so many people live this spiritually anemic life and they wonder, why is it that I don't have everything that I should have? Why is it that I don't have the joy? Why is it that I don't have the peace? Why is it that I feel so unsatisfied in my Christian faith? And generally, my first question back to someone who expresses that to me is, where are you serving? What are you doing for the kingdom? Because so much of the time, we want, to make, we want to make fulfillment about knowing the right things and understanding the right truths when in reality, fulfillment comes in through functioning in the way that we were made to function, through operating in the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. You want to know where the real blessing and the real joy in the Christian life is? It's through serving others with the gifts that God's given you. That's the great secret to Christianity that so many Christians today haven't figured out is that God blesses us when we serve others. He steers moving ships. And so if you want to be blessed beyond just sitting in the pew, then step up. 
then get active, then get connected so that you can serve because that's where the real blessing comes, when you work to build something new. And the reason I use the word new particularly is because with every person that's added to the body, we're made something new. With every individual who comes to Jesus by faith, with every, with every new gift that is identified, every new person who is connected and plugged in, now the church is something that it wasn't before. Now it has new, new uh, resources at our disposal, new giftedness that is available to us that God can use to do. And so we're constantly being built up, constantly being formed and made into something Something new as God is working in us. So as Paul writes and he's explaining the importance of this, this idea of the body, he says, believe what's true, belong where you do, get plugged in where you should, and build something new. You know, it, for, for many, the next step, I think, is, is about identifying, identifying where you should be plugged in and connected. And, and I want to tell you that as, as a staff of your church, the leadership of your church, we are committed that we want to help you identify those next steps and take those next steps. But I will also tell you this, it's, it can be a bit messy. It can be a bit messy. And, and it's messy for a couple of reasons. One, we don't always have a cookie cutter, uh, a cookie cutter place for your unique gift matrix, right? There's not always a place. Sometimes God's wanting to do something new through you. And so it's a process for us even to identify how God can use your giftedness to serve. And, and another reason why sometimes that can be messy is because quite honestly, it's a lot if this many people were to be active and serving and doing, it's a lot. And if that's all supposed to somehow funnel through me or funnel through Brad and myself or the rest of our staff, that, that's, that's, honestly, it's almost too much for any one person or any small group of people to handle. What we need is a group of people who are committed, who are ready to jump in with both feet and just see needs, identify needs as opportunities, and get to work and show up and look to serve and look to bless others and look to be used by God and, and, and you look to use your giftedness and honestly even be willing to be used outside of what you think of as your, your, your giftedness, that God would work through you to build something new in the body. Don't be satisfied to be a consumer. Become a contributor. Don't be satisfied to sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. And serve Christ and build his church and, and work with the body to advance the gospel and build his kingdom. That's what Paul's telling us to do here. Believe what is true, belong where you do, build something new as we seek to work together to advance the gospel. In a moment, we're going to move into a time of response. And in this moment of response today, if, if you sense that God is, is, is speaking to you, I want to encourage you to respond in obedience to him in this moment. And there's a couple of ways specifically that you could do that. First of all, maybe you're here today and you recognize there's never been a moment when you have been united with Christ. There's never been a moment where you've trusted Jesus by faith. And so for you, the, the next step is really taking what I would identify as the first step of trusting Jesus by faith, being united to him as you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sin, but then also being united to his body, the church. And maybe for some, that next step is 
maybe that God's leading you to First Baptist Church. Listen, I, I preach this message to you with absolutely no desire in my heart to just try to pump up the numbers of our church. I mean, I would love it if I want the numbers of our church to increase. Hear me on that. I mean, I pray for that. I work for that every day of my life. I work for that. I, that's what I want to see happen. And yet, this isn't a message just to get a few people to join the church. This is a message that is intended to help you find God's purpose for your life. You will never experience the fullness of Christ the way that he intended if you are a dismembered part of his body, if you aren't connected to his body. But if God is speaking to you and he's leading you to be connected to the body, then I want to encourage you that you might respond. Maybe for you, that next step is becoming a part of our body, visiting with with us about what it means to, to... Become a member of First Baptist Church. Even during the time of invitation today, you can express that to us, or even after the service, you can find us if you want to have a a lengthier discussion about that. But we would love to connect with you and help you understand what it means to be plugged into the body. Because it takes all of us working together to, to accomplish the mission, the call that God's put on us, that we would reach people with the gospel. Or for some, perhaps... The next step is about getting off the sidelines and getting in the game and serving. And again, we want to help you. We want to help identify ways that you can serve. We want to help identify your, your unique giftedness, your matrix, the way God has designed you. But also, let me just encourage you. It's, sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it, it's trial and error. Sometimes we, the way to figure out that you shouldn't be doing something is to try it only to discover, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm terrible at that. Honestly, sometimes even if you're terrible at it, it's still what God has for you because he's going to grow you and grow your faith in it in ways that you would never do if you only did the things that you were good at. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a messy process. But we're committed, and we want to help you take those next steps of identifying what that is as we seek to walk in obedience to this word, that we would believe what is true, belong where we do, and build something new through the body of Christ. I encourage you to bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning, and even as we move into this time of response, this time of invitation, I want to pray that God would stir in our midst today, that he would move in our hearts And that through this time, that he would guide us to to be connected in all the ways that he's calling us and leading us to be connected, that we might serve him and serve this body. And so, even as I voice a prayer for us corporately, I would encourage you to ask the Lord this morning, Lord, how am I to respond to what your word says Lord, we are grateful, we are thankful that you have called us to your body. We understand that's not because we're awesome, but ultimately it's because you're awesome and you have the power to work in us and through us to do something that's beautiful and incredible. And so, Lord, would you work in our hearts and our lives as we seek to build your kingdom, advance the gospel, I thank you that you take us just as we are. We don't have to get our lives cleaned up or make everything perfect. We just come to you in faith. Lord, you take us as we are and you will use us. And so we're trusting in that this morning as we respond in obedience to you. And all this we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to encourage you to stand with me this morning as we sing this song.
Uh, Staff will be here at the front ready to receive you this morning. Our altar is open. Perhaps if you want to just make this a place where you kneel before God in prayer today and, and solidify your commitment to serve him in whatever way he's leading you to do that. I just want to encourage you that there would be freedom in this place to respond in obedience as we sing together this song this morning. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to seated this morning and as we get ready to receive our offering together in just a moment, I want to ask our men to take their place for our morning offering. Even as they're doing that, can I remind you that God has a plan and a purpose for you. He wants you to be plugged in and connected to to belong where you do, to to belong in the body, which is where you belong if you're a believer in Jesus. And if we can help you navigate what that looks like, then we, then we want to do that. And let me just say it this way. That was a little bit, I should have said it a little more forcefully. We can help you navigate what that looks like. So let us, okay? Let us help you navigate what that looks like as you, as you try to take those next steps of obedience, seeking to do all that God has, has designed you and is equipping you to do. Let's pray together. After we pray, we'll receive our offering. Brad will come and share some announcements with us. Lord, we are grateful that you have saved us. You've set us free from sin, and now you are sending us out to serve and build your body. Use us for your kingdom and your glory. Lord, do a work in us that we might be blessed as we serve with the giftedness that you've given us and build your body, the church. All this we pray in your name. Amen. 
Amen. Good morning, church. Just a few things I want to draw your attention to. Michael has mentioned the prayer revival starting tonight. After that, it will be our monthly business meeting here in the sanctuary. Uh, we have um, all of the nights and the times are listed as well on here for you to participate if you're able to. We'd love to have you here as we join together as a, as a body of Christ to pray. Um, Wednesday nights, you can see the things that are going on, women's Bible study, um, youth children, all kinds of things. This Wednesday night, the students will be at a CU at the Pole Rally. Uh, it will be in Ninacaw. We will leave from here at 6.15. So if you have a student 7th through 12th grade that, that would like to attend, you can meet here or you can meet us at the gym at Ninacaw. And there will be a, a, a great time of, uh, of hearing from Caleb Freeman and worship from First Baptist Ninacaw and their worship band. So come and be a part of that with us as students. Uh, on uh, Wednesday morning will be our See at the Pole, nationwide See at the Pole. Um, happens in high school and uh, other schools around the nation will be meeting together. Students will be meeting together to pray for their schools, for their nation as well. Fall Festival is coming up as well. Uh, and that is October 30th on Sunday night, October 30th from 5 to 7 p.m. We're going to have more of a carnival feel uh, this year. We have games and things. So uh, if you would be interested in that, you can see Charlotte. Also, we're gathering candy in the office. There is a, a bucket there for you to bring candy, uh, pre-wrapped candy. Uh, don't just bring a package of M&Ms and dump it in there because, you know, that's silly and I'll have to eat it. So if you um, would like to, to donate to that, we're taking that. that uh, we'll be giving those out at the booths um, all throughout the evening. There will be other things going on as well. If you would like to have more information, you can see one of our staff or you can see um, Charlotte. Her email address is here at the bottom of our bulletin. Women's ministry is meeting. Um, the next women's ministry event is Thursday night, October 6th at 6 p.m. And you can see what to bring for that as well. Really a great opportunity to gather together with other women from our church. Um, next Sunday night is our uh, Grady Baptist annual meeting. There's a meal for everyone at 5, and then at 6 o'clock, the uh, children, the students uh, will separate into different areas as well as the adults for the annual meeting for worship and, uh, and gathering together with people from our association. It's really a great time. Also note that we will have uh, 5 o'clock in the choir room is choir. Thank you all. Good to see you. And I'll take your applause at this moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Well, this morning we have something else that I want to uh, share with you, some news about things that have been happening in the life of our church over the last several months. For really for months and months now, we've had uh, a couple of key leaders who have been serving in our preschool and our children's ministry. And so several weeks back, our personnel committee, as we're meeting together and kind of working on the process of calling new ministers, new, new called staff to the church, we were talking about the, the outstanding work that these ladies are doing in their respective areas of ministry. And so we began talking about what it would look like to hire them to continue doing what they're doing and make them uh, directors over these respected, respective, I should say, areas of ministry within the life of our church, preschool ministry and, and children's ministry. And so we started having those conversations, put together a uh, job description, met with each of them individually. They agreed that they would be willing to let us pay them for what they were already doing. And, uh, and so we made that official. And so this morning, I just want to bring them up here in front of you just to, just to celebrate that uh, Donna Osborne as our director of preschool ministry 
and Charlotte Allen as our director of children's ministry. So when I, when I showed the, when I showed the job description that we had written for Charlotte, when I showed that to her, literally, this is what she said. I really don't see anything on here that I'm not already doing. And I said, that's the point. That's it, really. You're doing this already. Let us pay you. Uh, let us compensate you. So each of these ladies now, they're going to be keeping some, some time in the office. It's a small amount of time. We're not trying to tie them behind a desk because what they're doing, it doesn't need to be tied behind a desk. But they will be around some. They have now officially church email that you can communicate with them. You'll see that in the bulletin if you look for it. Uh, we're going to get them on the website and all of that so that you can find them. And, and we've given them the title of director of preschool ministry, director of children ministry. And so you'll see them around serving in those areas. I just want to celebrate that God, this is something God has done. We talked this morning about how God equips the call, that he's, he's, he's been equipping these ladies for work that they're doing. He, I think it's truly, it's the work of God, having raised you up in this. And, and each of them can, can testify to how God has worked in their heart. And, and it's just a, an amazing picture of how the spirit of God works when we're willing to respond in obedience to him. And I also think it's really neat that we as a body get to celebrate that, that this is what God is doing. This is a part of the build something new.